Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it's Robert Acosta, substitute host uh, here, and I'm always pleased to do this. We are here on Thursday night, February, February, January 26, 2023, in the Fred Bertelson Old Time Memorial, uh, Old Time Radio Room. We're delighted to be here. We thank those of you who've come in, and we think we're going to have a Two good shows. It's a long story, but I am presenting uh, tonight. Uh, jo I'm saying it because Joyce sets the schedule and she says, no, you're February 9th. Well, I won't get into the story, but we'll, uh, we had to straighten that, do something. Anyway, I'll be the presenter. I don't know if uh, Larry gave us a same time, same station. I don't see an engineer here yet who's going to play the my shows. And there's Marilyn calling user one. Glad Marilyn's here. Welcome. UCLA, so, uh, fight, fight, fight. Oh, quiet. She's UCLA. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I went two years, but I was always USC fan. Anyway, um, Walden, would you mind bringing us up to date on the many things that you're up to, please? <laughs> well, uh, we're... Go fund me. The USA is still <laughs> building the automation system, so we're still not on 24 hours a day. We're on during the live show, so that'll be at 7.30 tonight. Um, let's see, special features on Monday, we're going to rerun the uh, time when Brad Zinn presented a show on Red Skelton. That will be this Monday. Mm -hmm. And Wednesday, uh, because of a Kickstarter donation, Brad Snyder is going to help host. So Brad picked out the show to Wednesday. Was this on the first? And just got a hold of Pat Boone's people this afternoon. Oh. So we're working on a date when Pat can come back on. It's been about 22 years or so since Pat Boone's been on yesterday USA. So figured time to have him on and just talk about radio for a while. So and just just uh, working on stuff for everybody else. So just one of those. Uh, and tell us, uh, uh, Walden, here. tell us about GoFundMe. You're on that. Yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, and, and how do you find it? I mean, I'm glad to give something, but I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. So. Well, uh, GoFundMe is the way we're raising some extra money mm -hmm. to buy some more equipment for Yesterday USA. And so we uh, put it together along with Martin Grams, and we put it up on Facebook and Anybody needs a link, just let me know. I can just send it out to people. But uh, it's just a way we're raising a few more dollars to buy a few more pieces of equipment. Jason, I went ahead and just bought a, uh, another computer this week to um, help me uh, the, <coughs> a few more things figured out. So, um, so there's one, one piece of gear that we're trying to raise around six to $8,000 for. And oh, once we can. Yeah, hopefully we can. And then that would help um, level some sound qualities and really help us out big time. Uh, so that's, that's sort of our next big goal, is, is to raise about six to $8,000 by this one piece of equipment. So um, the, the listeners and the supporters over the last three years have been really good to us. And so it might take a little while, but I got faith in everybody. Eventually, yeah. we'll, we'll raise the money. So. Well, I'm, the links the links do work after you got to beat it in my head, and uh, Ron, John says they work, but it's one you're live, and that's what yeah. they they came in. I heard yeah. Benny Goodman and all that stuff. Yeah, and they work. So he you know. did a great big job. Yeah. So I hope you'll be full time going uh, very soon. Hopefully soon. Because it's Hopefully just soon. Yeah. better. So. 
All and right, I, you know, very with new, good. With the, new, with the new server, we'll be able to stream on Facebook and on YouTube. We'll have, be able to. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's that's, that's the uh, that's the nice thing about where we moved to. So it'll it will uh, allow people to hear us in more places. So very you know, good. Yeah, Marilyn, you had a question. Is that you? No, I guess not. Somebody squeaking. Somebody mute, please. You're squeaking. We're coming through. Oh, that was a phone. Oh, okay, okay, well, it's a phone thing. Yeah, it sounds like it. Starts six or something's got to mute up there on the phone, unless you have an iPhone. I have to be very quiet because Todd is right. This microphone that's is Moshe. very hot. Oh, yeah, that's not making it. I'm sorry. It's not the greatest. So please, uh, especially, well, we'll mute everybody in the recording if the engineer gets here to do it. But uh, okay, guys, here's what I want to do. We're going to go around, but I want to throw out something for you. And if it's any way of, well, I'll say it. If, if there's any way offensive, we'll stop. But it's not that bad. The question is, has America lost its ethnic sense of humor? Yes, I, we go back to the days of Amos and Andy, which is one of my shows would not survive on TV. We remember Tim Moore was on TV and Amos and Andy, uh, uh, Freeman Gosden and Charles Correll. We had Luigi Basco. We had a number of ethnic shows um, that probably would not. So maybe I'm answering my question, but I guess I'm asking you is when you hear these, uh, all in the family, probably you know, TV, certainly Archie offended everybody. You know, he had every, he talked about Sammy's uh, glass eye, and he told uh, him to sing, and uh, you know the meathead, and uh, so forth. And uh, I want to hear what you think. Maybe I'm way off here, but it's a theme I wanted to throw out since I was I'm playing Amos and Andy, and I love them. But uh, have we lost our ethnic sense of humor that we can't laugh at each other uh, on that? So let's start at the top. Yeah. Oh, forget me right now. Joey, any thoughts on this? Uh, you're you're in it first on the list here. Um, I think one of the problems is that most people have lost patience, and they're not being patient with anybody. And um, and I think a lot of that is uh, they're not being tolerant of anybody else making fun of um, their culture or anybody else's culture. Right. Very good. Very that's well. my that's right. my thought. Well, that's a good thought. Tom Kaufman, what do you think of this theme? <laughs> if well, you don't like it, I'll edit out here. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think Joy might have something there. It's like nobody, you know, nobody wants their culture to be talked about or, or uh, they, they're perceived as being made, made fun of. And maybe they're not. It's just it's all. I don't know. It's it's just uh I don't mind any Amos Handy at all. It don't bother me none. But mm -hmm. you know, they had to go to a barber shop. They they really let all everything go loose there. Yeah. And Walden, if you're on and I see you, any thoughts on yep. losing our ethnic sense of humor and such? I think it's. I think we're in an interesting situation. I truly believe there's the pendulum effects. I think mm -hmm. we do swing one way to another, back and forth. Eventually, we'll find the middle. I think it's okay, what I've noticed, that uh, some group can make fun of themselves. They just mm -hmm. are very sensitive if it's, a, if it's not somebody from the particular group that makes fun. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, I would definitely... When I listened to it, me, because just the way I was raised, I I didn't have any stereotypes in terms of uh, mm-hmm. names or anything. I, so it, humor was humor. It wasn't necessarily... When I listen to Amos and Aunt, I don't think of it being uh, African-American. When I listen to, uh, you know, the different culture, it doesn't... I see it's for funny. I don't base it... I don't put a blame on their particular culture or tag their culture. And I guess some people do. Luigi. And that's, yeah. uh-huh. and I and I think eventually I don't know when, but eventually mm-hmm. it will turn back to the middle. It might be ten to fifteen years from now. But eventually I think it will be it'll come it'll come back. Okay, very good. Okay, Marilyn, have we lost our ethnic sense of humor? You're next. Um I don't think we have, but I think sometimes we have to be careful when we use mm-hmm. it. And you mm-hmm. have to pick the right place in the right time. So we feel maybe our groups are feeling insecure. I think uh, the first statement that we just take offense. We got to be patient and see who's saying yeah. it. I, I think it's also who's teasing about it. You know, if somebody right. comes comes at me Some and tells me some blind jokes and I don't know him, then I might not like it. You know. Right. Okay. Okay. Very good. Ray and Ray Marcus. I think. Hello, everybody. I think. Uh, I think. I think we have lost it because I was just thinking. You know how it was back in the very first time I heard Amos and Andy. It just didn't move me. But growing up in the seventies, we made fun of each other. You know, all the friends mm-hmm. of different ethnicities, and you know, and and we were comfortable with that, and you know, we laughed at ourselves and we laughed at others. So hopefully, someday we'll come back. In, in Hawaii, they tell Portuguese jokes. In America, it was Polish oh. jokes. You know, it was uh, in, in my day in the 70s and 80s. I don't know what they do now, but uh, they the Portuguese, as they call them, they tell, mm-hmm. you know, it takes 20 Portuguese to turn on a light bulb. The same as Polish ones. Okay, very good. And Tony, welcome. And uh, any thoughts on this, Tony, this theme? Hello. Um Actually, I, I I don't mind the theme; it doesn't bother me. But I take a little bit of exception to the ethnic part because it wasn't just ethnic humor. I mean, look at Lemon Abner. I mean, they were you know Southern people. It is anything that's different from mm-hmm. ourselves? I mean, it, it's not just oh the the Irish people or the Polish people or the African people. It's mm-hmm. you know any any kind of like uh, like I said, Southern or whoever. Um, I would definitely say would lost it because but i would also say the thing that people jump on and, and forget and don't take into account is they criticize same as Andy or whatever but they don't actually listen to it and as time changed as time went on the series changed but mm-hmm. in the early early days in the 30s it wasn't about who their ethnicity or their skin color it was about they were just people i mean you have mm-hmm. in every group you have the kingfish in every group you have hardworking you know person like Amos in every group you have lazy people like Andy. Yep. And then by the time you get to the comedy era, Amos was almost completely written out, which I didn't like. I mean Amos shows up uh, occasionally, but by the 50s you almost never hear anything about Amos. And so then the whole theme kind of changed and it became a lot more of I don't want to say an ethnic thing, but it was got the big, music hall. Remember they switched to the music hall and in the right way, at the end of the, of the series yeah right but so i i would say even by 
the sixties, by the end of the fifties, yeah. Yeah. that was kind of on its way out. So <laughs> very good. Thank you, Tony. Very thoughtful. And Bob, what do you think about the ethnic sense of humor business? Any thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, um, you know, growing up, Canada is filled with, with immigrants and nobody, nobody, uh, here has this, like, you know, I'm a proud Canadian. I guess people are proud Canadians, Mm -hmm. but that isn't really something that we, uh, you know, uh, push on immigrants, whereas uh, the U S does kind of, uh, you know, push the American pride on, on an immigrant, right. You know, Mm -hmm. So up here, yeah, we we had people of every ethnic background living on our street, and you know, all us kids played together, and we made fun of each other. And uh, you know, I was the the Dutch kid, so I got <laughs> all the Dutch jokes. And yep. uh, and when I first heard Amos Nandy, which was maybe fifteen years ago, I never even considered their eth- ethnic. Uh, Ethnicity, uh-huh. ethnicity, right? I, I just laughed my ass off because mm-hmm. it was just so funny and just yeah, typical people like just typical mm-hmm. silly, you know, antics and stuff. And you know, it wasn't really a concern until I remember I aired it for quite a few years, and then I had some people complain about it. Americans, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what ethnicity they were but they sent emails telling me that it you know, wasn't appropriate to play it anymore and all that stuff. And I just responded to them. History is history. Yeah. It, it is what it is. And if you want to learn from it and have a good laugh at the same time, you know, so be it, but it's history. I don't think we should be erasing history. Um, from what I've read about the show is, you know, Crime went down when Amos Sandy came on the air. <laughs> you know, places of business, you know, stopped, you know, they customers stop. yep. in because they're all listening to this show. And listen. so, I mean, it had its, its, its point in history, in American history, and it definitely had a huge impact in, in America. So I don't think it should be rubbed out or, or um, I, I think it should still be played as something that was... Uh, you know, that that's history. something that, that was part of the part of history, yeah. And mm-hmm. people people are you know, if we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. So that's the truth. So Bob, if there's something there to learn, we'll learn it. <laughs> very thoughtful. Thank you. Thank you. And Janice is muted. I hope she's somehow getting through here. <laughs> Marsha, what do you think of this theme? <laughs> You may not like it. I don't know. Well, you know, the thing when 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 I was growing up in the, the uh, Detroit area and so uh-huh. on, the big thing was uh, was Polish humor. Uh, you know, we all, we called them uh, you know, Polak jokes. Oh, yeah. And even a lot of the Polish people that I knew and I had some Polish people in, in my family. We were, you know, there were Hungarians and uh-huh. Polish people. And I went to school with Polish people. They had no problem with it. Uh, there were a few black jokes that went around, but, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the more, you know, that, that I remember anyway, was, uh, you know, more European, uh, humor and we all had no problem with it. Um, so, you know, you don't hear that kind of stuff anymore. No. In fact, a lot of jokes, I mean, there, there are comedians that are saying, 
we don't know what we can get, you know, what we can say on stage or stand up and so on these days, because we're just so afraid of offending uh, people. And, and Bob, as Bob Braxman was saying, you know, people talking about the, uh, you know, the various shows and so on. Well, look at, look at Rochester, you know, he was, Mm -hmm. he was more of a uh, caricature, I would say. I mean, I don't know what the man was, was like in, in real life, but he put on that, that, um, that, that tone, that, uh, the, the whole thing, but, you know, he always, he was, he always, he, he was, he got the, the job done and was the, you know, got the, the better of Jack, you know, for example. That's what I was going to say. He always got the better of Jack he Benny always, the old, yes, at he the did. end. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, another thing is that like, um, as Bob, he didn't mention this, but as far as say the, the cigarette commercials, I don't know if he ever got anything regarding the fact that there are no longer cigarette commercials and so on on radio and tv but they're still permitted because it's history and that's right that's this is the way it should be and don't don't erase this that what's what's gone on um through our radio and and tv history and uh, this these things existed the jokes were not the best in taste in a lot of cases but they were there. They were part mm-hmm. of who we were. And that's that's it for me. Well said. <laughs> not, you guys are all so smart. This is great. Thank you. Not, Thank you. Not, not to interrupt. Max just Crawford. Any thoughts? Uh, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Just to clarify, jump in really fast. Go ahead. It is, it is illegal to broadcast cigarette commercials. It, it even, is, even, but I'm talking um, about on 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 uh, old old time radio and so, so on. It so, is not. So am I. Yes, it is. Well, Wait, I thought that we they could not broadcast cigarette commercials today. No, no they can't. They even can't. On the old, they can't. Oh, no, she said that, but she, she was saying in the old days. No, but you, we didn't worry about but you can. Time. For example, if you watch, if you listen to Dragnet or whatever, yeah. they, they, they broadcast Fatima, illegal long cigarette. oh, cigarettes. They always, and, they always cut the commercials. No, they I don't. Mean, ask... ask um, you know, Larry Gassman or the okay. Chuck Hayden or any of those. No, well, we, I don't want Wait, to. Wait, hold it. I, I want to get this. Are we saying today we can do it? I don't think so. I'm we saying. Can, no, I'm not saying today we can, but we can broadcast. They can broadcast. Old time radio can. From yesteryear. That's right. I'm, I'm saying, according to several sources, okay. today you cannot play the old cigarette commercials well, from they, the old shows. They, they are doing In it. In old time radio. Okay, we'll find out. I really have not paid attention and yet. We'll we'll find out, Larry. Hey everyone, we'll ask him next week. Uh, hi everyone, it's Max here. Hi Marilyn, hi Joy, hi everyone. Go ahead, Max. Uh, I, uh, my opinion is everybody has become way too, uh, you know, used to getting offended about everything and too politically uh, too politically correct yep. to have a little bit of fun. As long as we're not re- putting people down and hurting them, uh, we used to do newfie jokes, uh, and, and I watched it. A, a, a video on on you know traveling to Newfoundland and stuff, and it said that the Newfoundland people don't mind people making you know joking with them. And the one joke that I won't forget is, "How do you make a one armed Newfie fall out of a tree? Wave at him." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, 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 and 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 that's and, terrible. But, but I, I also heard. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> I I see. Done, I see. They Ray, also said, we have him. Yeah. Is there oh, what stuff? I was just oh, going to say is Robert here. Yeah, all okay. I was gonna all I was gonna say was that the, the crazy part is that 
Um, the, the people in the Valland are actually really, really tough. Yeah. So they don't remind me because they, they take, they, they have Cola, which is says, so. and then I'll finish it. Let me try here if I can. In 1937, um, Jack Benny had his, had a show where he he beat he hit Rochester with a brush, uh, with just a brush, and at the, ultimately at the end Rochester got even with him and so forth. But a lawyer wanted to sue on behalf of Eddie Anderson, who was Rochester, and it was a joke in a way because Rochester had racehorses. He made a hundred thousand dollars a a year, which was a lot of money then, and he just this is nuts. But they played the role, and Jack did that. He never did it again. His writers didn't put that in again, where he hit him with him because he was like, "Hold out your hand," and he did it. And then, but Rochester later in the show got even. But a lawyer wanted to sue on on his behalf. <laughs> I hope I'm with Walden. I hope it swings. I hope it swings to the middle. I hope it. I hope uh, we have more recognition. Remember, um, many times the foreigners who came first did not welcome their fellow foreigners like if you're for like pasquale was cheating luigi more than the americans uh, were and uh that's happened that's true that the chinese who came here first uh, you know that doesn't make it right or wrong i'm not criticizing any group but they cheated the guys that came in they're looking for gold or whatever no there's no gold you know and all that stuff so you know we we are sadly not a melting pot right now in the united states um, because of the border and politics and all that. I don't want to get into that. But um, I like Amos and Eddie, and I honestly got to say, when I heard it, I didn't say, oh, boy, Blacks are all that way. I hate them. I, I never thought of them as I sort of as Black. I just enjoyed them. And fortunately, I went to a school, and I'll finish here. I went to a school. We were um, a pilot program to see if blind kids could compete in a public school. The school was 3,000 kids we were 12 of us and um we um i really got more attacked by black kids not not and others in being blind they'd say you can't see because at the school for the blind it was normal to be blind the day school i went to so i didn't know i i was really stupid i guess and oh yeah you think you're good catch me you know it was last tag and I couldn't. I remember the instance, and I'm talking too long, but I remember the instance when a kid, we had a basketball and he took it and he, he'd dribble around and it's catch me. And I thought, God, I'll never catch him. I, I can't. Finally, the third day I said, I don't like basketball anyway. It's no good. I hate it. The Tom Sawyer approach. And he came closer to me and I got him, beat him up and we became friends. I got his attention. The guy, the guy, I swear to God, he's later went into rehab and we met once in the rehab. He said, remember when you beat me up? I said, remember when you took my basketball, you know, but you, there's a, different ways to skin a cat. I became popular in junior high with the, a lot of black kids, Asian kids, because I helped them with homework. The Asians, you didn't have to help. They were at the top, but our, my black friends said, Robert, they call me Robert. Could you help me here? And so you found other ways to get respect. I learned about the gang leaders and they said, use my name. We had to go through a tunnel to go to the boys side of the, the school. And, um, and I just used names and got through. I was afraid of anybody. So, you know, you worked it out, you survived and you did tell jokes back and forth and blacks tell the yo mama jokes. They, they do it. They're funny, you know, but there's just many anyway. 
you guys were great, much smarter than I am. And it was a very good uh, uh, discussion from my point of view. I learned something here. We'll check with uh, uh, with Larry on the cigarette thing. I think I got it straight. He'll tell us next week. And I, I, that's what overtime radio, what's fun about it, because we can say, no, it's this way. No, it's that way. But we can, you know, work it out. It's not a big deal to me. Anyway, any final comments here? I don't see any. Did Daniel come in? I don't know who's playing this. Rick's here. Rick is here. He's muted. Can you, can you hear me? He's muted. Okay. Hello. Uh, hey, Rick, how you doing? Uh, Joy, Tom, um, Larry didn't give me his, um, I mean, the show. I have the show. I I think I'm playing, unless I have that wrong. I, that I sounds like Max. Okay, well, that's good. I won't have to worry. He didn't get to tell me. Larry is extremely busy working for the American Council of the Blind, and uh, I'm happy to help him a little bit because he's such he's such a sharing guy and just a terrific person. He and John both they're really uh, they they'll help you all the way. All right, Max, tell us what to do and. Uh, We'll do it. Do I have to well, make you I, a host? I, I, speaking? And I'm so pleased to be here as your presenter in the Fred Bertelson Old Time Radio Memorial Room under date of February 9, 2023. We have two interesting shows for you. Our first show is Amos and Andy. And uh, this is from 1946. Sapphire has become a criminal. And... Uh, I want you to think about this as you listen to it. Did Amos and Andy, did Step and Fetch It, Bill Robinson, some of the great uh, black actors of the time, increase our prejudice of race, of racism in the country? Or was it just pleasant humor? I'd like to, I hope that you will have discussed this sometime along the way or certainly after the event. So without further ado, I present uh, a program from 1946. Let's see what happens to Sapphire in the great, great show, Amos and Andy. Andy, you know what day this is? Certainly, Amos. It's Tuesday. That's right. And Tuesday means we got to go to work for Rinso. The soap that gets clothes Rinso White and Rinso Bright brings you the Amos and Andy Show with... I'm Gabby Gibson. Yes, I'm Gabby Gibson. This is Shorty. Shorty the Barber. Hattie McDaniel and Sadie Simpson. Lud Gluskin and his orchestra. And those famous... Delta Rhythm Boys. makers of Rinso invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the story of Amos and Andy. It's a well-known fact that husbands take their wives for granted and are accustomed to seeing them in a daily routine of housework. Tonight, however, the kingfish came home and found no wife, no supper. He's been pacing the floor, imagining everything. And his thoughts have now turned from anger to suspicion. Seven o'clock at night. She ain't never been out this late. I wonder if she's getting tired of me and could be out with another 
Uh Uh-oh, there she come. I'll give her the third degree. Oh, hello, George. Guess I'm a little bit late. Yes, I would say so. It's seven o'clock. Playgirl. (laughs) You ain't never been out that late since we've been married. I've been shopping. Shopping, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. I notice your lip bruise is a little faint uh, tonight, kind of smeared up there. Why, George, what you mean? Is you been close to another man? Uh, Come here a minute. Let me smell some. Sweet. Oh, you smell my perfume. Smells like shaving lotion to me. Now, George, just because I wasn't home one night in the kitchen cooking when you come home, you get suspicious. Me suspicious? Ha, ha, ha. What's his name? George, darling, you know that. Now, wait a minute. Now, let me tell you something. I'll find out who rubbed that shaving lotion on you if I got to go around and smell every man in town. <laughs> George, it's just a new perfume I got. Now listen, darling, remember our agreement. We must always trust each other, no matter what happens. Remember, marriage is built on faith and trust. Uh... I give you my word of honor, I was out shopping at a second-hand clothing store. Well, I don't see why you had to go there. You got enough second-hand clothes. <laughs> George, you got to buy me some clothes like other husbands do. Like who, for instance? Well, look at Miss Van Poter. She's got a genuine fox fur. Genuine fur. I throw shoes at better fur than that on the back fence. She ain't got nothing. Other men's wives ain't got to beg like I do. They got charge accounts. What do you mean by that? Well, when Miss Van Poter wants to buy something, she just goes in a store and says, charge it to Miss Van Poter. I'd like to do the same thing. Well, it's all right with me if it's all right with Miss Van Poter. <laughs> Oh, you simply got to get me some clothes. Uh, see what is at the door there, will you? Hello, Sapphire. Hello, Sadie. Come on in. Now, look, George. I want what I deserve. Well, you ain't gonna get it. Oh, yes, I am. No, you ain't. Huh. You two sound like Burns and Molotov. <laughs> We're having another argument, all right enough. And, Sadie, you stay out of this. We don't need no help. All I'm gonna do is to listen to both sides and see which one is right. And then pitch in and help Sapphire. <laughs> it's the same old thing, Sadie. I want to get a little more out of life than I'm getting. Some clothes, shoes, a new hat. Some of the little things that makes life worthwhile. Now you're getting smart, Sapphire. You know, life is just like the tunnel of love. While you're going through, you got to grab what you can get. <laughs> well, you just let me and Sapphire fight our own fights. We enjoy it that way. You to me, George Stevens. If you don't give me some money, I'm going to do something that'll make you sorry. Well, go ahead and do it. All right, I will do it. I'll do it tonight, and you'll be sorry. Well, see if I am sorry. I is leaving. Goodbye. What you going to do, Sapphire? I'm going to get a job and go to work. I don't blame you. Serve him right. By the way, did you get the money from the charity bazaar at the meeting this afternoon? Got it right here in my pocketbook. $300. You is the treasure, so here's the $300. Well, I'll put it in the bank tomorrow afternoon. In the meantime, I'll hide it somewhere around here. Where are you going to put it? Well, let me see. I... I'll put it between the sheets in a linen closet. You said something about getting a job. Where are you going to get a job tonight? Oh, over at the newspaper office. See, I know one of the editors over there, and he works at night. I'm going over and see him right now. I don't blame you. Say, what started all this trouble anyway, Sapphire? Oh, he practically said that some man smeared off my lip root. <laughs>
is really down in the dumps this morning, ain't you, Kingfish? Oh, that's my wife again. She got some silly notion in the head about wanting the necessities of life. She's talking about shoes and stockings and handkerchiefs and all that stuff. Yeah, wants to show off, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could invent some way to make some quick money, you know that? Yeah, or invent something that would pay off. Yeah, that inventing is a good game, all right. Uh, mm. There's an old saying in the invention line, uh, you invent something worthwhile and the mice will be the better path to your door. Yeah, well, what could we invent? Well, uh, what is the shortage of the need of uh, houses? Now, there's one... Well, now, wait a minute. There's the prefabulated houses. Them is the ones that you buy, you know, and put together. Oh, no, no. A friend of mine bought one of them. Didn't work out. What happened? Well, he ordered a prefabulated house. They drove up and dumped six loads of brick on his lot and say, there it is, put it together. Well, inventions pay you money, though. Look at that man that invented the fountain pen that the deep-sea divers use, you know. Yeah, say, you know, that pen advertisement give me an idea, and I done been toying with a fountain pen that's got enough ink in it to write for ten years without refilling. Say, that don't sound bad, ten years. Yeah, I even made it drawn on the thing. According to my figuring, the pen would stand about four feet high. I'd have to write with both hands. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, and uh, I don't like to say no right off the bat, but the thing don't seem too handy. Uh, How can a man carry a pen that's four feet long? In a golf bag. I never thought of that, yeah. yeah. Uh, wait a minute, though. Think of something else. Uh, yeah. Wait, wait uh, Come here, Amos. Yeah, how is you, Amos? Well, hiya, fellas. Uh, well, we had a little excitement around our way last night. What's that? Well, when I was going home around 9 o'clock, uh, I see some police up the street in front of a new store that just opened a woman's dress shop. Yeah, they ought to close them things down. No, no, there was a robbery there. Some woman went in the cash register and took around $300 and beat it. And they didn't get her, huh? No, they didn't. I wonder why a woman do a thing like that. Well, women needs money to buy clothes with, I guess. They all want clothes. $300, huh? Yeah, that's a lot of money. Well, boys, uh, I got to go. I got to call with the cab, so I... Yeah. Well, uh, drop uh, me and Ando off at my house, will you, Amos? Uh, we'll look in the icebox, then, and get a bite of lunch. Well, ain't nothing in the kingfish in the icebox there, kingfish. No, unless you want to try a little mustard on one of them ice cubes. <laughs> Now, look here. Even that light don't work when you open the door. And on top of that, there ain't even no ice cubes in there. Your wife done defrosted this icebox. Well, that was done from the main office of the utility company on the 10th of the month. (laughs) Well, that is the longest defrost in history. Wait a minute. Uh, I tell you what, I look in the linen closet. My wife usually keeps some change in there between the sheets. I get a little change, and we go out and get a hamburger. Yeah, yeah, look between them sheets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she usually keep it right about, uh... Uh-oh. If this ain't Confederate money, we done struck oil. <laughs> yeah. Well, bring it out here in the light. Let me see it. Hey, wait a minute, Andy. Is we in my house? Holy mackerel, how much? Look at here. A hundred. There's two hundred. Three hundred dollars. Yeah, where'd that money come from, Kingfish? Well, uh, uh, three, uh... Wait a minute. Yeah, wait a minute. What's your eyes popping out about? And uh, my wife. What? She's done it. She told me last night that she was going to do something and I'd be sorry for She left the house around 7.30 and she didn't get back till 10. Well, what about it? That store was robbed at 9 o'clock. And Amos said it was robbed of around $300. Oh, yeah. Kingfish, what are you going to do? Oh, me, what'll I do? I'm going to take this money so she can't spend it. 
Anna, do you realize what this means? What? Sapphire, my own wife, is guilty of petty lottery. <laughs> oh, yeah, Kingfish, your wife has got you in trouble. Why did I ever marry that woman? I ought took the advice of my folks to give me years ago. You know, Andy... My mama done told me when I was in knee pain. My mama done told me... Said she, son, a woman will sweet talk and give you the big eyes. But when the sweet talk is done, a woman's a two-faced... You're so right. A worrisome thing who'll leave you to sing the blues. The blues in the night. Right. Now the rains are falling here, the train are calling ooh-wee. My mama done told me, hear that lonesome whistle blowing across the tracks of ooh-wee. Yep, my mama done told me, ahooey da hooey, ooh clickety clacker echoing back the blues, the blues in the night. The evening breeze will start the trees to Manchester Mobile, from Memphis to St. Joe, wherever the four winds blow. I've been in some big towns and heard me some big talk, but there is one thing I know. A woman's a two-faced, a worrisome thing who leave you to sing the blues, the blues in the night. I've got the blues on my left, the blues on my right, the blues in the day, my mama was right. I've got those blues in the night. The water's hard as a rock in our town, but all the same, Rinso gives me heaps of hard-working suds. I've told nearly every woman in town about Rinso. Yes, Rinso is especially good news in hard-water communities. Because Rinso's triple-action formula includes a special suds booster that makes mountains of sturdy suds even in hard water. And Rinso's soapy-rich base makes suds that drive deep, get out stubborn dirt without hard rubbing or scrubbing. Even extra-soiled work clothes are no trick with Rinso. Because Rinso's grease chaser goes after grease and grime. So remember, Rinso's triple action suds for a wash that's... Rinso white. Rinso bright. For a wash that's dazzling as it can be. Give it the Rinso one, two, three. One, two, three. I tell you, boys, I don't know what to do. My own wife, a common criminal, stealing $300. Yes, Kingfish, it's not only a deplorable situation, but also quite a haul. <laughs> yeah, certainly was a surprise to the Kingfish. 
But when you phoned me and told me, I just couldn't believe it. Sapphire was at the house for supper just two nights ago. I knew she was. You know nobody would believe it. Why, when I told my wife the news, she took a quick glance at our silverware. Uh, Kingfishers, you notice a strange pickle fork around your house? Uh, Henry, my wife wouldn't stoop to that. No, she wants cash. Uh, by the way, Henry, I don't want this to get out nowhere, so tell your wife not to breathe it to a soul. All right, I'll phone her and tell her. She's only been over at the beauty shop for two or three minutes. Too late now, yeah. I can't believe Sapphire doing a thing like this. You know, this whole thing is going to finish her as far as her friends go. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure that we would all still like to have her our get-togethers. However, I think the social set will insist on fisking her on her way out. <laughs> well, I don't know what to do. I got the $300 that you took. I took it out from between the sheets in the linen closet, but... It looked like to me it's my duty as a citizen to turn her over to the police, but she's my wife. You know, she could get two years in Sing Sing for this. Yeah. I would talk to a lawyer and get the legalized picture of this case. Yeah, yeah that's a good idea. Come Kingston. on, Anna, let's go over to see Gabby Gibson. Yeah, well, here's Gabby's office. Yeah, look at that sign he got on the door. By appointment only. Well, let's take a chance. Hello there, Gabby. I like here, boy. Can you see the sign on the door? I was jammed up. I'm really jammed up. You got to make an appointment. You got to wait your turn. Yes, indeed. You got to wait your turn. Well, when can I get your first opening that you ain't busy? You got it. Sit down. Uh, Gabby, I want you to help me. I got a big problem. Any problem you got is right in my line. Right up my line. It revolves the sum of $300. Definitely in my line. Definitely in my line. But I can't pay you no fee. That's the end of the line. Tell him, Kingfish, tell him. Well, uh, tell me this, Gabby. If you don't have any experience with women criminals... Oh, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. And I discovered when a woman turns criminal, she's got much more consideration than a man, much more consideration. What do you mean, consideration? Well, I once handled a case for a woman that killed her husband by stabbing him with a hat pin. Stabbing him with a hat pin. A hat pin? Why didn't she use a gun? That was a consideration. She didn't want to wake up the children. <laughs> now, listen here, Gabby. My wife has done stole $300. <laughs> You got a nice combination there. You is light-headed and your wife is light-fingered. Yeah. Oh, this is serious, Gabby. How would you like it if you was married to a woman like Sapphire all your life and then she had to be sent away for two years? <laughs> lovely, lovely. Yeah, but listen, Gabby, what is the kingfish going to do? Well, somebody's got to pay for that crime. I got an idea if you don't want her to go to Japan, why don't you take the rap or get somebody else to take it for her? That's somebody else's idea don't sound bad. Just get somebody else to confess the crime. I don't think you'll have no trouble finding somebody. A lot of people are looking for a one-room apartment. <laughs> well, listen, Kingfish, you know something? I think Shorty the Barber's our man. He done been evicted out of his room, and he ain't got no place to stay. Well, that's that. Now, come on, get out of here, boys. Get out of here. I'm a busy man. Really up to my neck. Let me check my calendar here and see when my next appointment is. Oh, yeah. When is it, Gabby? November 16th. I got to go to the dentist. <laughs> Oh, listen, Nana, we got to sell Shorty on the idea of taking the rap and going to up for two years. Yeah, I know it. Well, let's get on in the barbershop here and do it. Right. Hello, Shorty. Well, if it ain't King for, uh, Andy, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you... But what's... Cl- Hiya, fellas. Yeah. 
Uh, Shorty old pal, I understand that you can't find a place to live. No, it's terrible going from one place to another. I, I can't get no rest. Last night, the only place I could find to sleep was in one of them Harlem all-night burlesque shows. You mean where they got them dancing girls? Yeah, I didn't close my eyes until six o'clock this morning. <laughs> Shorty, uh, we are going to do something for you that'll make you happy. We're going to arrange for something that we know you need. Mm. Something that will make your life sweet and pleasant for you again. Oh, Kingfish. That's the sweetest thing I hear since Truman's speech last night. You know something? Mr. Truman sure made millions of horses happy. Shorty, uh, how would you like to live in a big place where you ain't got to pay no rent and you get all your food for nothing? Oh, man, that, that sounds wonderful, King Chris. I'd like to live in a place like that for the rest of my life. Well, uh, I might arrange for it for two years. But, yeah. <laughs> but where, where's the place? Where, where's it? Oh, it's a beautiful spot, Shorty, overlooking the Hudson. Mm. Yeah, sort of a, a stone house, big, uh, Plenty of police protection. Yeah, 24 hours service. Yeah. Well, what, what's the name of the place? Well, what's the name? Well, uh, the name, uh, uh, the, uh, oh, yeah, I think they sometimes call it Felony Acres, yeah. Yeah, or Larceny Manor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I like it. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, wait a minute, boys. This sounds like a, pen, a, a penitentiary. Oh, what's wrong in living there? I could get you a nice congealed roommate. Uh, oh, no, no, nothing doing that. That's final. Well, Anna, I guess the deal is off. I know how Sapphire would treat me if things was reversed. She just told me that marriage is built on faith and trust. And I'm going to take the rap for her. And uh, I'm going to say that I've done it myself. Oh, Kidsrich, you mean you're going to the penitentiary for your wife? Right. You know something? You was a man among men. Yes, sir. You was living up to the marriage vows. You was what I call, what I call a first-class... Uh, Jump. <laughs> Rinse so white. Rinse so bright. For a wash that's dazzling as it can be. Give it a rinse one, two, three. It's a fact. Rinso gets out stubborn dirt one, two, three. For Rinso has a triple action formula. Yes, Rinso gives you all three. One, Rinso's soapy rich base makes suds that drive deep down, gets out stubborn dirt without hard rubbing or scrubbing. Two, Rinso's suds booster means even in hard water, you get heaps of hard working suds and fast. Three, Rinso's grease chaser goes after grease and grime, but it's easy on hands, helps prevent yellowing of clothes too. So if you want a wash that's the envy of the neighborhood, just remember. Rinse what? Well, boys, I uh, go into the police station and give myself up. Well, try to stop worrying, Kingfish, and sort of put this thing out of your mind. I can't do it, Henry. This never would have happened if Sapphire hadn't stole that money. Yeah, you're right. If she needed money, why didn't she just give a bad check like most people do? Well, I'll try to take it. This is life, I guess. Well, don't make it worse than it is, Kingfish. It ain't life. It's only two years. Yeah, but I ain't a young man no more, Henry. I don't know if I can do two years. Well, do as much of it as you can. <laughs> you know, 
I once read a book about prisons, Kingfish. It's called 20,000 Years in Sing Sing. Hmm, that's some rap, all right, 20,000 years. Yeah, rap like that might break a man's spirit. Yeah, staying away for two years is a long time. Just think, I won't be out till 1948. Well, if you put your name on the waiting list now, you'll be just in time to get a 1946 automobile. Well, boys, I'll be a lonely old man up there. Well, we'll try to find out when we can see you there, and we'll meet you in the visiting room and bring you something to eat. Uh, you better make it a hunk of mush, because you're going to have to push it through that screen. Well, this is a sad trip, boys. Don't forget to write to me now. Yes. Uh, drop us a line and let us know your permanent number, Kingfish. Now, try to get a number with seven in it, too. They is lucky. Yeah, well, Andy, come on, go down with me to the police chief while I confess the crime for my wife. I know she'd do the same for me. Yeah, I'll go down with you, Kingfish. And, Henry, I'll say goodbye to you now. Goodbye, Henry, and... There's one little favor that I want to ask you. What is it, Kingfish, my pal? While I was going away, try to forget what Sapphire's done. Forget that side of her. And promise me that you'll invite her over to your house once in a while. Why, certainly, Kingfish. We still have the highest regard for Sapphire. And we've never questioned her integrity. But when she does come over, ask her to bring back that pickle fork. Which one of you two men want to see me? Uh, uh, Mr. Chief, uh, I is the one. Uh, yeah, yes, sir. I, I ain't no accessory to the crime or nothing. Get to the facts. Yes, yeah, sir. I just want to ask you one thing, uh, Mr. Chief. Uh, uh, do, do you get any time off if you would turn state's evidence against somebody that's very close to you, say, like myself? I don't get what you're talking about. Uh, he wants to be his own stool pigeon. <laughs> well, come on, let's get going. What's on your mind? Well, I know that this is going to mean the penitentiary for me. I want to confess. I want to confess. Uh, I believe I'll come back some other time. Hey, wait a minute there. You might as well come clean right now. Yeah. Go ahead, Kingfish. Mr. Chief, uh, I got a record as clean as a pen. I ain't never done nothing wrong that I've ever been caught at in my life. Well, what have you done? Well, the other night, Your Honor, I, I dressed up like a woman and I went into the Thompson dress shop... And when they wasn't looking, I grabbed $300 out the cash register and I run out the place. So you're the one that robbed the Thompson dress shop, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Now, listen, you. I don't know what you're up to, but you're in for a little surprise. Here, take the $300. We've already caught the crook. Now, get out of here. Caught the crook? Yeah, uh, you done caught my sapphire? Well, I don't know. But if your sapphire's a big, ugly, stupid woman, about six foot, two inches tall, that's who we've caught. Well, that ain't Sapphire. She ain't but five foot one. Uh, I know that. <laughs> oh, Kingfish, that is good news. Oh, come on, Andy. Let me go home to my way. <laughs> so, here's your $300, Sapphire. I thought you stole it, and I was just trying to protect you. George, I've been looking high and low for that money that belonged to the woman's auxiliary. How could you think I stole it? How could you think such a thing of the one you is married to? Well, honey, I just... Listen, darling. Remember our agreement. We must always trust each other, no matter what happens. Remember, marriage is built on faith and trust. Honey, I knew I was wrong to ever think such a thing about the one I was married to. There ain't no excuse for it, George. 
How can married people ever think that the other one would commit such a terrible crime as robbery? Well, I'll get the door, honey. George Stevens? Yes, officer. Come along with me. Your wife reported you for stealing $300 from her. Ladies, seems to me, if I was you, what I'd want from a wash day of soap would be action. Yeah. The more action the soap has, the less action you gotta have. Now, Rinso's got them. Triple action, such. <laughs> so, let Rinso do it, eh, boys? Well, ladies, why not let Rinso save you work next wash day? Rinso's triple action formula is especially devised to get out stubborn dirt fast. To save you hard scrubbing. And yet, Rinso's so safe, it keeps washable colors tops in brightness. Rinso Bright gets white things tops in whiteness. Rinso White. And it's simple as one, two, three. One, two, three. Ask for Rinso. Good night, folks. See you next Tuesday. sure to be with us next Tuesday evening at the same time when the makers of Renzo will again present the Amos and Andy show. This is Carlton Cadell saying good night to all of you from all of us. Ladies, without the waste kitchen fats you've been saving, the soap shortage would be worse. So please go on saving every drop of waste kitchen fat possible. Then, rush it to your meat dealer. He'll pay you cash. And remember... More fat means more soap. I never guessed why Mary didn't want to see me more often until I overheard that whisper. You know, B.O. The way to make sure that people won't whisper about you is to take a daily Life Boy bath. Yes, the way to get all-over protection and lasting protection is to take a bath with Life Boy. Life Boy is the only soap especially made to stop B.O. If you don't bathe with Life Boy, people may whisper, B.O. Get Life Boy today. Amos and Andy Show is broadcast to our servicemen all over the world. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Oh, what a great show that was. And I've always enjoyed uh, Amos and 
Andy. I'm too young for Sam and Henry. That's how they started. But uh, 1946, they were really going strong. Later, as you remember, they became the Amos and Andy Music Hall for a while. But I like the, the half-hour Sunday shows. Bill Hayes was the announcer. And, uh, of course, Freeman Gosson and Charles Correll played uh, Amos and Andy. Now we turn to Bradbury 13, The Ravine. And some of you might say, I heard this on Suspense, but uh, this is done, by, I believe, by NPR. And um, it's uh, featuring the great author Ray Bradbury. Sit back and enjoy. This is Ray Bradbury. Join me for the next 30 minutes on a tour through time and space. Come along to the far future. Follow me into a strange past with stories that almost could be or might have been. Real or unreal, this is Bradbury 13. was a dynamo that never stopped running, night or day. There was a great moving hum, a bubbling and murmuring of creature. It smelled like a greenhouse of secret vapors and ancient washed shales and quicksands. And in the shade of warm trees, with her hands at either side of her like the oars of a delicate craft lay Elizabeth Ransom, her face moonlit, her eyes wide and like flint, her tongue sticking from her mouth. Ray Bradbury's The Ravine. Douglas, would you like some more lemonade? No, thanks, Miss Lavinia. But I'll take another cookie. Oh, seven o'clock. You'd better run along now, Douglas. Your mother will be worrying. You going to the show with Miss Francine and Miss Helen? <laughs> yes, I am, Mr. Nosy. Now you get on home. Shoot. Bye. See you later. <laughs> what a scam. Oh, Francine. Lavinia, are you all ready? Oh, yes. Let me lock the door. There. My, you look nice tonight. Oh, I feel good, too. It's a fine night for a movie. Isn't it, though? Where are you going, girls? To the Elite Theater to see Charlie Chaplin. Won't catch me out on no night like this. Not with the lonely ones strangling women left and right. I'm locking myself up in my closet with a gun. Bosh. Go on, then. I'm going. (laughs) That woman. Lavinia? You don't believe all that about the lonely one, do you? Those women like to see their tongues dance, that's all. Just the same. Hattie McDollis was killed two months ago. Roberta Ferry the month before. And now Elizabeth Ramsell's disappeared. Hattie McDollis was a silly girl walked off with a traveling man, I bet. But the others, all of them strangled. 
Their tongues sticking out of their mouths, they say. Honestly, Francine. Lavinia, maybe we shouldn't go to the show tonight. The lonely one might follow and kill us. Francine. I don't like the ravine. Just, oh, look at it, will you? You're just being silly. It won't be me coming back through this old ravine so darn late tonight. It'll be you, Lavinia. <sighs> you go down the steps and over the bridge and maybe the lonely one there. Hush. It'll be you, alone on the path, listening to your shoes, not me. You, all alone, on the way back to your house, Lavinia. Don't you get lonely living in that house? <sighs> old maids love to live alone. Let's take the shortcut. <gasps> what? Yes, through the ravine. Oh, I'm afraid. It's early. The lonely one won't be out till late. Come on, I'll take your arm. Oh, it's like a hothouse down here. Oh, insects. Just mosquitoes. Let's run. No. What's that? Fireflies, Francine. Aren't they beautiful? Twinkling like little stars. Well, I don't... <gasps> what is it? Elizabeth. Elizabeth Ramsell. She's dead. Oh, oh, she's dead. Dad, she's dead. We better get the police. terminate our investigation, I wonder, is there anything else you saw that you could tell us? No, we told you everything. Come on, Francine. You might drop by the station tomorrow for a little more questioning. We'll be there. Oh, hold on to me, Lavinia. I'm cold. I've never been so cold in my life. It's like December. You want an escort, ladies? No, we'll make it. Will we? Of course we will. Oh, I've never seen a dead person before. <laughs> it's only 8.30 We'll pick up Helen and get on to the show the, the show? It's what we need We've got to forget this It's not good to remember We'll go to the show as if nothing happened oh, Lavinia, you don't mean it I never meant anything more in my life We need to laugh and forget But Elizabeth's back there Your friend, my friend We can't help her now We can only help ourselves Come on Helen. Come on now, chin up. There you are. I thought you'd never get here. You're only an hour late, that's all. Well, we went Helen, out. someone found Elizabeth Ramsell in the ravine. Oh, dead? Was she dead? Yes. Oh. oh. Who, who found her? We don't know. Oh. I've got a, a notion to go back in the house and lock the doors. Helen, please come to the show with us. It'll be good for us all. Oh, poor Elizabeth. I feel a chill in here. I think I'll get a sweater. We found her. Why didn't you tell her? Why upset her? Tomorrow's plenty of time. Shh, here she comes. All set. There. Lock tight. Oh, it's all so ghastly. Let's hurry. We can still make the cereal. 
We're crazy being out on a night like this. Lonely one won't kill three ladies. There's safety in numbers. And besides, it's too soon. The killings always come a month apart. Well, I suppose. I'm the lonely one. Frank, you one. Frank? That's me. Frank, if you ever do a childish thing like that again, may someone riddle you with bullets. What a horrible thing to do. You monster. I didn't mean nothing. Oh, go away. Haven't you heard about Elizabeth Ramsell found dead in the ravine? Well, no, I... Are you running around scaring women? Jumping out from trees like that. Don't ever speak to us again. Oh, nah. Get out of the way. Go. I was just funny. Eh? A lot of fun you are, Mr. Lonely One. Go take a look at Elizabeth Ramsell's face and see if it's funny. Good night. Oh, what a horrible night. <laughs> Francine, it was only a joke. You know, Frank. Why is she crying so hard? We'll tell you when we get downtown. We're going to the show no matter what. Now, come on. Now, get your money ready. We're almost there. Can we stop at the drugstore? I'd like to get some peppermint chews. Good idea. I'll get some, too. Come on. Evening, ladies. What can I do for you? I need a nickel's worth of peppermint chews for eating in the show and some for Helen, too. All right. A nickel's worth. Yes, please. You sure look pretty tonight, ladies. You... Looks so nice and cool this afternoon when you was in for a chocolate soda. Why, thank you. The fact you look so cool that someone asked after you. Oh? A man sitting at the counter watched you walk out. He said to me, say, who's that? Why, that's Lavinia Nibs, prettiest maiden lady in town, I said. (laughs) (laughs) She's beautiful, he said. Where does she live? Oh, you didn't, you didn't give him her address, I hope. I, uh, I guess, uh, I didn't think. uh, Oh, told him over on Park Street, near the ravine, and, well, tonight, with him finding that body and all, I thought, what have I done? Oh, how could you? I'm sorry. Uh, Of course, maybe it was nothing. Of course it was nothing, Mr. Spencer. Here's the nickel. Oh, there's no charge for those peppermints. Well, I know what I'm going to do right now. Helen, where are you going? Helen, where are you going? call a taxi to take us all home. I'll not be part of a hunting party for you, Lavinia. That man was up to no good asking about you. Do you want to be dead in the ravine next? It was just a man. So is Frank Dillon a man. Maybe he's the lonely one. I made the druggist give me a description. I made him tell me what he looked like. A stranger in a dark suit, sort of pale and thin. We're all overwrought. If I'm the next victim, I'm the next victim. (gasps) Lavinia! There's all too little excitement in life, especially for a maiden lady 33 years old. So don't you mind if I enjoy it? (gasps) Enjoy it? Yes. Anyway, it's silly. I'm not beautiful. Oh, but you are, Lavinia. You're the loveliest lady in town now that Elizabeth is... You keep men off at a distance. If you'd only relax, you'd have been married years ago. Stop it, will you? Now, here's the box office. I'm paying 41 cents to see Charlie Chaplin. If you two want to take a taxi, go on. I'll sit alone and I'll walk home alone. Lavinia, you're crazy. We can't let you do that. All right, then. Three tickets, please. Here's your ticket, Helen. And yours, Francine. You can pay me later. Now, let's get inside. I hope this is a good movie. 
Of course it's a good movie. Charlie Chaplin's in it, isn't he? Well, yes, but uh, after all... Look, here's three good seats on the aisle. Oh, good. That's good. Oh, look, there's Mr. Tubbs. Ladies and gentlemen, the police have asked us to close early tonight so everyone can be out at a decent hour. Therefore, we're cutting our short subjects and running our feature immediately. The show will be over at 11. Everyone is advised to go straight home. Don't linger in the streets. Thank you. That means us, Levin. It means everyone. It's starting good. Lavinia? What? As we came in, a man in a dark suit came across the street. So? He just walked down the aisle, and he's sitting in the row behind us. Oh, Helen. Right behind us? Look for yourselves. Oh, my gosh, he is there. I'm going to get the manager. Helen, no. Stop the film. Turn on the lights. Helen. How silly. All that commotion for nothing. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. When you ran up that aisle shouting, Lights! I thought I'd die. <laughs> well, how was I to know he was Mr. Tubbs' brother from Racine? Oh, you could have asked him. Well, I apologized. <sighs> we shouldn't have stopped for those sodas. The police warned us that we... Wash the police. I'm not afraid of anything. The lonely one is a million miles away by now. He won't be back for months. And the police will get him then. Just wait. <laughs> Wasn't the film wonderful? <laughs> I've seen it before. <laughs> Ooh, I'm glad I brought my sweater. I do feel a chill in the air. So do I. Do you suppose if we scream, they do anything? Ooh. The store dummies. People in those windows. Oh, Francine, they're made of wax. Don't be silly. Eleven thirty. Oh, it's getting windy. There goes my hair. First, we'll walk you home, Francine. No, I'll walk you home. Don't be silly. You live way out at Electric Park. If you walked me home, you'd have to come back across the ravine alone by yourself. And if so much as a leaf fell on you, you'd drop dead. I should stay the night at your house. You're the pretty one, remember? Oh, bosh. <laughs> Let's sing. Uh, what do we sing? Shine on, shine on, harvest moon. Up in the Just the wind blowing the perch swing back and forth. Oh. Shine on, shine on, harvest moon. Up in the sky. I ain't had no love since January, February, June, July. Here's your house, Francine. Good night. 
Lavinia? Helen, stay here tonight. Oh, it's late. Almost midnight now. You can sleep in the parlor. I'll make hot chocolate. Oh, it'll be such fun. No, thanks. We'll be fine. Oh, oh. oh Francine, don't cry. I don't want you dead. Oh, you're so fine and nice. I want you to live. Francine, I know this night has affected you. Believe me, I'll phone when I get home, I promise. Oh, oh, will you? And tell you I'm safe, yes. And tomorrow we'll have a picnic lunch at Electric Park with ham sandwiches and potato salad. I'll make it all myself. How's that? All right. You'll see. I'll live forever. And you'll phone then? I promised, didn't I? Yes. Of course you did. Good night, Francine. Good night. Good night, Ellen. Good night. Now, I'll walk you home. It's midnight. Yes. It's tomorrow, isn't it? Don't you feel funny? How do you mean? Oh, when you think of us being out here on the sidewalks, under the trees, and all those people safe behind locked doors, lying in their beds. <sighs> We're practically the only people out in the open in a thousand miles, I bet. <laughs> Yes, the ravine. Here's my house. <laughs> Look, the moon is sinking behind the clouds. Uh, I don't suppose it's any use asking you to stay, Lavinia. I'll be getting home. Sometimes. <sighs> Sometimes what? Sometimes I think people want to die. I'm just not afraid, that's all. And I'm curious, I suppose. Curiosity killed the cat. I'm using my head, Helen. Logically, the lonely one can't be around, not with the police all over. The police are home with their covers up over their ears. Let's just say I'm enjoying myself precariously but safely. If there was any real chance of anything happening to me, I'd stay here with you. You can be sure of that. Maybe part of you just doesn't want to live anymore. Oh, you and Francine, honestly. I feel so guilty. I'll be drinking some hot cocoa just as you reach the ravine bottom and walk on the bridge. Drink a cup for me. Good night. Good night, Lavinia. Malone. In five minutes, I'll be safe at home. In five minutes, I'll be phoning silly little Francine and... Whistling? I'll just walk a little faster. I can run and knock on one of those doors if I have to. It's just a few steps. A man. With a long club in his hand. I could make it to that door now. Now if I... Here. 
What a time of night for you to be out, Miss Nibs. Oh, Officer Kennedy. Miss Nibs, I'd better see you home. Oh, thanks, but I'll make it. But you live across the ravine. Yes, but I'll hurry. I'll be fine. I'll wait right here. If you need any help, give a yell. Voices carry good here. I'll come running. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure I'll be fine. Good night, then. Good night. Alone again. Down the hill and then across the bridge for 70 yards, through the ravine and then up the hill to Park Street. 113 steps and only one street lantern to see by. In three minutes, I'll be putting my key in my front door. Nothing can happen in just three minutes. 180 seconds. Here goes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Am I running? No, it just feels that way. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty steps. One fifth of the way. So black here. World has gone behind me now. World of safe people in bed, the locked doors, the town, the drugstore, the theater, the lights, everything is gone. Only the ravine now, black and huge. Nothing's happened, has it? No one around, is there? 34, 35, 36. Remember that old ghost story you told your sister when you were kids? The story about the dark man coming in your house and you upstairs in bed with your feet all tucked in the sheets? And now he's at the first step coming up to your room. And now he's at the second step. And now he's at the third step and the fourth step and the fifth. And now the horrid dark man's at the twelfth step. And now he's opening the door of your room and now he's standing at the foot of your bed. I got you! That, at the bottom of the steps. A man under the light. No. No, he's gone. He was there, waiting. Nothing. Nothing. The, the bridge is empty. Fool. That story I told myself. What should I do? Should I call the officer? Oh, maybe he heard me scream. Nothing. I'll go the rest of the way. <laughs> Stupid story. 41, 42, 43, almost halfway. Careful now, don't fall, not now. Another one. Someone's following me. Someone's on the steps behind me. I don't dare turn around. Every time I take a step, they take one. Officer Kennedy? Is that you? The crickets and frogs, they're listening. The ravine is listening to me. To me. Oh, they must be hearing my heart. Keep moving. Faster, faster. Run! Only a little way. 108, 9, 10, 11. Now run across the bridge. Run! That's right. Keep running on the planks. He's following me. 
He's on the bridge. Don't turn. Don't look. If you see him, you won't be able to move. He'll be so frightened. Just keep on. There. Across the bridge. Please. Please let me get up this hill. Now up the path. Now up between the hills. Oh, it's so dark and everything's so far away. If I scream now, it won't help. I can't scream anyway. Here's the top of the path. Here's the street. safe. If I get home safe, I'll never go out again. I was a fool. Let me admit it. I was a fool. I didn't know what terror was, but if I get home safe from this, I'll never go without Helen or Francine again. Here's the street. Across the street. The porch. My porch. My house. I need just enough time to get inside and lock the door and I'll be safe. Clumsy. Unlock the door. Unlock it. again. I'll stay home. I will never go through that ravine again, ever. Safe inside, the door locked. Wait. Look out the window. There's no one there at all. Nobody was following me. Nobody running after me. It only makes sense. If a man had been following me, it would have caught me. I'm not a fast runner. There's no one on the porch or the yard. How silly of me. I wasn't running from anything. <laughs> that ravine's as safe as any place. Just the same. It's nice to be home. Home's the really good, warm place. The only place to be. Good evening, Lavinia. Later that night, an ambulance arrived and brought out a body on a stretcher. The body of a man. Lucky for Lavinia that the sewing scissors were handy that night. Very lucky. was adapted from the story by Ray Bradbury. Featured in the cast were Barta Heiner, Beverly Rowland, Helen Beeman, Oscar Rowland, Dwayne Hyatt, and Bob Nelson. Original music by Roger Hoffman and Greg Hansen. Production assistant was Patrick Mead. Associate producer and director was Jeff Rader. Bradbury 13 
was created, produced, and directed by Mike McDonough. Executive producer was Dean Van Eytert. This program was produced with the funds provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting through National Public Radio Satellite Program Development Fund. The program was produced by Brigham Young University Media Services, which is solely responsible for its content. This is Paul Fries speaking. I hope you enjoyed both of those shows. I hope they make you think. Uh, Amos and Andy uh, dealing with the great humor of uh, people portraying black uh, comedians and Ray Bradbury and the the ravine. The ravine was on suspense um, and uh, you might have recognized it. Enjoy, sit back and engage in a great discussion. Thank you so much. This is Nikki. I have to go in a minute. I'll be back later. But this is the second story like this I've heard today. One was on story time that I facilitate with Well Connected. And it was the same sort of thing, but it was a woman in a hallway of her apartment building. <laughs> and she escaped too. But boy, this was really terrifying. This was more terrifying than the other. And I really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. And I will see you guys later. Thanks, Nikki. Yes, uh, Bob, that was a really good story. Um, both were good, I, but the ravine I remember from Bradbury Thirteen. I used to have all them stories on a tape, and I think I have them on a computer somewhere. A lot of good stuff Ray Bradbury did. Now I just want to make sure my screen share is off. PC. Anybody hear my jaws? PC. Yes. Oh, okay. Just a minute. I got to learn how to do this better because sometimes. Change background. Add a search control. I don't know what I'm doing. Zoom. Max Crawford. They don't make it easy, do they? <laughs> Screen sharing meeting controls. No, they don't. There you go. There you go. And Got also, it. I found today's Zoom screwed up a little bit when I started Screen Share and and put me in the desktop, and I had to go find Winamp somehow and minimize.